Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, this evening, I'm, I, I'm not sure where to start. Um, right in worship, I, for, I think for a, for, for a while, I, not for a while I haven't, but for, it's almost like a fresh, a new, that I understood the, the love of God, like, like what He really has done by coming down to earth, what He really has done by offering us um, salvation. Like, I couldn't, ex- ex- uh, I don't know how to actually say it, I don't know how to, but like when He says, for God so loved, you know, like that love, like He, I don't know if you have ever felt loved. Have you ever felt a moment of deep love or a deep emotion? And, and imagine that what God could have experienced by, by sending His Son in order that we can live and have um, eternal life. So the, the worship just, it just blessed me. And I, I had the same on my heart as shelter. That's why I wanted to, to share it because it's easy for us to sing along. You know, and we get it right, and, and we, we have great multimedia teams that get you to be on track and on time. But, but do we understand that our words, when we speak, that they have so much power, and we actually are making promises. So if we say, we say yes, if you sing along to that, whether you mean it or not, you're actually saying that, and you're agreeing to that. Um, and, and so, may we take to heart... Um, what we sing, and may we take to heart what we say. The Bible didn't say for nothing, be slow to speak. Like, be careful on what you're saying, be careful on what you utter. And so, may tonight just be a time of responding, um, a time of taking action, a time of, of not sitting back and not being passive, but we, we want to move forward and we want to take action and we want to take God at His word. Um, this is one of my years that I, I was reading a book, and the book was all about obedience and faith, but right in conclusion, it says you must take God at His word. So if He promises, He's faithful to, to, to come. If He says what He has started in you, He's faithful to finish it. And so we need to take God at His word. He's faithful. And I want to assure you that God loves us deeply. He didn't send His one Son for one of us. He sent His one Son for all of us. And God really loves you. And God really, really loves you. He really, 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 deeply from the bottom of His heart, with no bad motive, with no conditions. It's unconditional. So His heart is absolutely pure towards you and His love towards you. And it doesn't matter what you go through. He's unconditionally loving you. Now tonight, this is our sixth week and our last week of great faith. And I am honored and I'm thankful to be um, closing off this series for us. Because we are starting as well with an exciting series the next four weeks. So let me give you a glimpse before we go. And we're going to talk about what's your status. So what is your status? Are you married? It's for marriage, it's for singles, but are you married? And we're going to talk about it. If you tick the box, have you ever seen Facebook ask you, what is your status? And so you can tick marriage, or you can tick single, or you can tick 
in a relationship or you can think it's complicated. <laughs> and so for four weeks, we're going to talk about those four things. Single, ach married, single in a relationship, and it's complicated. And we're going to see where God leads us. Not, we know exactly where God is going to lead us. We know what we want to see God do in our midst. And so we're going to talk about marriage and in a relationship. It's how to start with the end in mind. And if you're single, whether you're single for a short period of time or you're single for the rest of your life, is that a gift or a curse? Is being single a gift or a curse? And it's, it's complicated. We'll stay. It's complicated. I cannot reveal it to you until you join us on that Sunday. So do not be nervous, but be prepared because God wants to do it in you. Right? So this great faith series, we're going to end it today with the, with the topic saying, how to maintain your great faith to go. How to maintain great faith to go. So I want you to pay attention to the words maintain. So how can you sustain? How can you keep going? So I could have come and I could have preached a passionate message on going and I could have gotten all of us fired up and ready to take Vintuk. But when you leave the service an hour, two hours later, your passion, all the things have died down because you're out of the atmosphere and you do not experience that same zeal. I could have come and I could have preached a very empowering message that you feel well equipped, you feel well empowered. It's like, yes, I can do this, but maybe a month or three months or six months from now, all that have died down. So, but how do you get it right to maintain your faith to keep on bringing the gospel to people right through this year? How do you do that? How do you maintain that consistency? So we can be consistent, but how do we do it? So how we do it is going to be two things you do, one thing you should know. So two things you do, one thing that you should know. Because the moment I mention go, or the moment I mention sharing the gospel, we become a bit insecure um, I have maybe lost a few of you. It's like, I, I don't like these messages on go. I don't want to hear these messages that I need to go. It's, it's not what God has called me to do. Um, and that's not true. So God wants us to go and he wants to us to maintain a consistency when we go. So he wants us to maintain a consistency in sharing the gospel. His gospel is not just in your new years of a Christian when you're fired up what God has done in your life. But it's right through your years, decades upon decades. You need to consistently share the gospel. And that's what I want to share with you, that when you go three months down the line, when you go six months down the line or eight months down the line, and you lose that zeal, you've, you've lost that strength, you've lost that courage, you, you don't feel like telling people about the Lord is that this message will come to your remembrance to strengthen you again. So that you remember these words, that remember these points that I've spoken of, so that you can continue on what God has called us to do. And we're going to preach out of one verse. One verse is going to give us three things. Two things we should know, uh, two things we should do, one thing we should know. And the verse is Isaiah 6 verse 8. 
Isaiah 6 verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, open it there, write it down. And then on three, we're going to read this verse together. Um, from the screen so we can all read the same thing. So okay? Understand? Okay, so one, two, three. And I heard voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. So on Tuesday in our pastoral meeting, uh, this scripture was given to us and I, I was so excited about it because I know it and I know it's whom shall I send and when I heard the topic, it's great faith to go and I thought what a combination. But then if you read the chapter 6, it's quite a story to get some things out of this thing. Because what God has told Isaiah after this wasn't the easiest of message and what and the, the great thing, what God, what Isaiah saw before this verse was amazing things. He saw God sitting on the throne and, you know, this, I think that is this thing that, huh? there's this thing that he saw, what is the name? Uh, uh, not the train, the, 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 the cherubim, what is it? Yeah, that was standing and he saw this picture and these things saying to each other, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And he sees this whole picture. And then he comes to this point and he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Now, have you ever experienced maybe in school or in a team setup or at work or maybe even at church, there's, there's a team. So let's say we're here the team and I'm the team leader. And I, I mentioned something that, some one of us has to volunteer to do something. So I say one of us has to volunteer to lead one of the teams and someone else has to lead the other team and someone, I want someone to volunteer to lead the third team. And then normally what happens is those who get insecure, they shrink back. So there's some who don't like, you know, when we are called out to be one thing and we need to do things. And there are others that push others to the front, you know, to get them like, hey, let's, let, let them choose him. And then there's others that shout names, like, no, Philip, Philip will do it, you know, to, to get uh, someone else to do it. And that's exactly what happens sometimes when it comes to go. So when the Lord commands us to go, it's as if we want to push others and say, no, it's for that guy. It's, it's Auntie Katrina, the evangelist. Or no, it's, it's Pastor Chris. He's a pastor. He's supposed to do it. And so we push others to the front, but God has called all of us to go and so here we're going to see three things that Isaiah that happened two things that he had to do and one thing that he had to know so what are those and these three things is going to do what it's going to help you to maintain your faith to go from today on to the 31st of December the 1st of January 2020 and right through the year again, if you do this and know this, you will not stop sharing the gospel. But it has to be habitual. It has to be something you're doing constantly. Otherwise, you become wary. On Saturday, I was training. We had an evangelist training. And the one thing I mentioned to them, that evangelism is a consistent thing. It's not something you just wake up and you become, you reach out. It's something that you grow in. It's something that you constantly have to do. If you constantly invite people to church, it becomes all the easier. If you constantly share the gospel, you become all the smarter in doing it. 
So what are the first thing that we need to do in order to stay consistent in sharing the gospel? The first point is, and it says to us, and I heard the voice of the Lord. The first and most important thing for you to stay consistent in your Christian walk is to constantly hear the voice of the Lord. And I heard the voice of the Lord. And in this time that we're living, there are many voices. You could be reading a book. It's a voice. It's someone who wrote and it's speaking to you. You could be listening to plenty of podcasts like I do. Those are voices. You could listen to many pastors and sermons and all those are voices. But the most important thing that I believe God wants us to hear is His voice. Above all voices. So what I'm saying is I believe God wants us to spend most of our time in His word above other words. Above other teachings. Because if you think all leadership teachings comes from this, all things that people teach, the servant leadership, Jesus taught it. And so what God wants to do for you to maintain your faith in consistently going is to hear His voice. And you see it says that Isaiah, it says that, and I heard the voice of the Lord. Not someone heard the voice of the Lord on behalf of Isaiah. He heard the voice of the Lord for himself. He heard the voice of the Lord for a, it was personal to him. So I'm not saying we should stop reading, we should stop listening to podcasts, we should stop listening to sermons, because then we can all just go home now. But what I'm saying is, may the Word of God be the first importance of your life. May it be the most crucial thing. May it be the most valuable thing. That you do. One guy says if you have time for breakfast. You have time to read your Bible. If you have time for breakfast. If you have time to make bread. If you have time to put your milk in your conflicts. If you have time. You have time to read. Your Bible. See hearing, the God, hearing God's voice is important. That we don't merely read the word of God. But this is what we should be doing. Psalms 1 verse 2 explains it. It's not there on the screen. Just hear it. Joshua 1 verse 8 explains it. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So his delight is in hearing God. His delight is in what he reads and what he hears from the word of God. That's what he delights in. That is what satisfies him. That's what gets him excited. My delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, I meditate day and night. So he says, I hear the voice of the Lord in the daytime, when the sun is out. I hear the voice of the Lord in the nighttime, when the sun is down. And you know where we are living now, fast-paced life, we set aside time for God. Maybe you have a morning devotional time, maybe you have an evening devotional time, but I, I want to come to an understanding from this scripture that it says, day and night, meditate. So what does it mean? Day and night to meditate. So it doesn't mean that wherever you go, when you go to work, you're, you're busy paging through your Bible. Because it says meditate. It says meditate. Let me go to Joshua 1 verse 8 and then I explain. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So God commands Joshua, you shall meditate. You shall meditate. So what that means is meditation is when you've read your word, you put it into your mind. So the first point of reading is it comes to our mind. But meditation is almost like an hourglass. So it, it starts from one point and it goes through another point. So when you read, when you meditate, it starts in your mind, but it penetrates. It goes down to your heart. And when it's part of your heart, it becomes your action. So if we meditate on a scripture like Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, that says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go... And make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and teach them to do everything that I commanded you. And surely I'm with you. So when you start meditating, when you hear God through that scripture, you're saying, Lord, it's in my mind. Now, Lord, I want it to be in my heart. So, Lord, I'm meditating. You say all authority. How is it that all authority belongs to you? So the moment you get it from your head to your heart through meditation, because you see meditation can happen right through the day. If you exercise meditation enough, you will meditate daily. In different hours of the day, you'll be able to meditate on God's word. And so when a scripture like Matthew 28 sinks, it's in your heart, it becomes your action. You will automatically be going. Because it's part of what you do. But you need to hear the voice of the Lord. You need to read. You need to read. So if, if you read once a week, it's not, it's not going to work. I know some guys are even stronger. They, they say that, you know, if you pray 10 minutes a day, it's not going to cut it in the times that we're living. We need to be with the Lord. We need to spend time with you. So if you're at 10 minutes, praise the Lord. But continue meditating. Continue growing. Continue hearing the voice of the Lord. You have to continue hearing Him. And that movement from your head to your heart to your action is important. Love the Lord your God with what? With your mind. With your heart. With your soul. So the moment it comes to your mind, the love of God is in your mind and it goes to your heart and you feed your soul, it's your life. It will be part of your life. But the moment you read, Lord, you were favorable to your land, you restored the fortunes of Jacob and you close, and that's the last thought, it's where you have left it. But if you think, Lord, you have been favorable. Lord, your favor, you, you bring favor upon situations. You've been favorable, and then you need favor, but you can meditate, and it becomes part of your life. And you see, when you hear the voice of God, imagine, imagine someone you value. Someone you, you it doesn't need necessarily to be a, a pop star or someone like that, but someone you have a value on, someone you, you will listen to when they speak. For let's, let's use a better example. Imagine you go to a conference and you have an expectation and you're trusting that when you're at the conference, you want the speaker to speak to you. And so when he speaks to you 
and your, your expectation has been met, what do you do when you go home? You tell others. You know, I, I really trusted for the speaker, the speaker John, to speak to me and he spoke to me. And we share it with others. Or imagine someone famous, you know, comes and takes a photo with you or they give you a compliment. It, it happens even in, in the church, you know, when, when someone, maybe the pastor gives a word and then you'll go like, you know, pastor gave me a word and I'm so excited. But if someone else gives you a word, it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm testing it. I'm seeing if it's still true. But if, if, pastor, if pastor gives us a word, then we are taking it and we'll tell people that this person, Pastor Chris, gave me a word. Now that is the same thing that should happen when we hear the voice of the Lord. It should be so valuable to us that we want to tell others about it. It must be so valuable. We have such a high priority on it that when we hear it, it moved to our heart and it became our lives. And I know that we experience frustration. I know that you don't understand everything that's in the Bible. And I know there's a natural and there's a supernatural side to reading the Bible. And we can preach about that one day. But I want you to say, you've got to hear the voice of the Lord. Even when you feel frustrated, even when you feel you don't feel breakthrough, read. And continue on reading. And continue on hearing. And continue on asking. Lord, I don't want to lean on my own understanding. But I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. That His voice becomes so important to you that you're so excited that He has met you in your quiet time. He has met you through your walk through the day where you were meditating on His Word. So the first point for you to maintain faith, to share the gospel. And, and when I, when I, if I remember then, I will tell you how these three points infect your whole life. It affects your whole life. Even the great promises you're trusting God for, you need to hear His voice. Because you need to constantly be with Him if you're trusting Him for something big. And, but we're talking about go today. So I want to answer the question that I set, outside, I set aside. And so the first point is, you got to hear the voice of the Lord. If this bores you, ask Him. Lord, I'm struggling. Your word makes me tired. Man, I want to fall asleep. I had a, had a friend who had a friend and, and they agreed to wake up at 5 and spend time with the Lord and and the friend will lie in the bed. And then the other friend will come in and, and he can see that the guy is sleeping. You can see it. And then he wakes him up and he's like, hey, we agreed. He's like, no, I'm, I'm resting in the Lord. You know? <laughs> so he's there in the bed. But we need to ask the Lord, Lord, may this not tire me. May I love your word. It says here, where, where did it say? But I love the law of the word. I delight in hearing God's voice. And He does speak to us. He does speak to us. The second point is that we need to know is, whom shall I send and who will go for us? The second point is you need to know who you're going for. So what I'm saying is you need to know when you tell someone about what you heard, is you need to know who you're representing. And the question that, that God was maybe putting to Isaiah is, who shall go? Who shall represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Who shall go for us? This was God speaking to Isaiah. Who shall go for us? 
And so God is saying, who shall represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Who will take the salvation message to others on our behalf? So he's saying, you need to know, I'm saying you need to know who you're going for. We need to understand the privilege that it is to be representing the Trinity. We need to understand the privilege it is to represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that. Now imagine this. Have you ever, tonight I have examples of have you ever, um, have you ever experienced someone sending you? Now, two different people can send you and you can go with two different attitudes. Now, for example, Pastor Chris, sen Pastor Chris sends me. I go with an excited attitude because Pastor Chris sends me. But then if, I, if, 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 if Joanna sends me, I go with a grumbling attitude. Right? So, cause, so <laughs> I, I had a point with this example. <laughs> In terms of who we, we need to know who we go for. Um, So it will definitely be on the value. So I think the point was, it is definitely on the value of the person that sends us. And that determines how we actually go um, to the person. And when we go, no, let me not get ahead of myself. So we must value the person that sends us. And that will determine how I go. It will determine the attitude I go with. It will determine the excitement that I go with. And see, again, Corinthians speaks almost of the same thing. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. It's again not on the screen, but it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So he says we are represented. We represent Christ. So all of us are aware of ambassadors. There are ambassadors here from other countries. There are ambassadors from this country to another country on behalf of this country. So when you go... You are a representative of Christ, God, making His appeal through us. So it says again, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is making His appeal through us. This was the point, sorry. So if Pastor Chris has sent me, what is he doing? He's making His appeal through me. So if Pastor Chris sends me to Pastor Hilma, he's making His appeal through me. If Pastor Chris sends me to give a certain message and he tells me, I need you to rebuke those people, he's making his appeal through me. And I will go with how he has said it. So it says, God is making his appeal through us. What is the appeal? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So when we go for God, we're representing him. And when we speak to people about Him, when we invite people to church, He's making His appeal through us. When we love on someone, when we care for someone, when we give someone a word, when we give someone money, whatever we do, whatever we come when it comes to going, God is busy working through us. And we need to understand the value of that, the privilege of that, of God using us. Imagine if I can take out my $10 and I can give it to someone and say, God, you're doing this through me. 
Or if I can share the gospel with someone and say, Jesus has died for you. You have an opportunity to be saved and experience eternal life. He's doing it through me. Right at this point, God is doing this work through me. When I come in, in preparation of a sermon, I, I never prepare a sermon in, you, uh, in, in, in a boastfulness like, yes, I am chosen. I am always humble and say, this is a privilege for God making His appeal through me. I'm unworthy of this. So, but He's still making, He still chooses me in my imperfections. But I come to more and more realization of who am I representing? Who is making His appeal through me? So first point is we need to know, uh, we need to hear the voice of the Lord. Absolutely important. Secondly, understand the privilege of who you're going for. Understand the privilege of representing God, whether you, wherever you work, you're representing Him. If you don't have an ability to work, if you, whatever you're busy doing, understand that He has given that to you. So if He uses you as an, an accountant, He's using, He's uh, making His appeal through you. He has gifted you with that. He's enabled us to do that. Then the third point is we need to respond to God's call. So one, hear His voice. Two, know the privilege of going. But we need to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And I would say this to us. If you, today, if you hear the voice do not harden your hearts. Today, if God wants to make His appeal through you, today, if God wants to use you to impact someone else, do not harden your heart by justification. Lord, this is the reasons I cannot do it today. Oh Lord, I'm not called to go. God wants to make His appeal through you. But the same way Isaiah had to respond, it's God and Isaiah. God is asking who will go for us. It's Him. It's just the two of them. So I want to, as much as I'm sitting and I'm talking to all of you, God is personally asking you, you heard the voice. Will you go for us? Will you go on behalf of me? So your response at the end of this message is either I've hardened my heart or saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, God, send me. And he says, do not harden your heart when you hear my voice. Do not harden your heart when you hear my voice. 2 Corinthians continues 5 verse 11 to 15. You can just listen to this. He says, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Therefore, I, I want to paraphrase it. It's, it's not absolutely correct what I'm saying. But it, it's almost to say, if because we know the call of the Lord, we persuade others. Because we know that God has sent us. Because this one is even stronger. Because we know the fear of the Lord. Because we are in awe of the Lord. Because we, are in, we see His beauty, we persuade others. Because we are convinced that He came to die and, and rose for us, we persuade others. And then he continues, but what we are... What we, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to you, to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, 
but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. I'm convinced that God, there's a time where God wants to call us to be besides ourselves for Him. Lord, I, I, I need to share with this person, it's beside me. It's not my natural. I don't do this every day. I sit every day in the office on my own. We need to be besides ourselves. I don't know what another translation said. Maybe we should become fools for God. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to respond with more than what Isaiah responded saying, Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to be a fool. I'm ready to be beside myself for your sake. I'm ready to become different for your sake. I don't think there's anyone in the great faith that we don't look at them and say, Yes, these guys were different. These guys were besides themselves. We did a series of Noah building an ark for 120 years. He's beside himself. But if I'm beside myself, it is for God. We saw, uh, who else was crazy? Um, who else was crazy? Well, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham leaves his home. He leaves, he, he leaves. And he doesn't know where he's going. He's beside himself. But it was for God. The Enoch is just an interesting story. He just disappears. He was beside himself. He doesn't even die. He just disappears. And it was all because of God. So it's the same question. We sit here tonight, this tonight that you can answer. Are you ready to say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to be beside myself. And I'm preaching this to myself because I have found myself in situations where I sit and, and people bring up God and I become uncomfortable. It's like, what is these people going to think if this guy speaks like this? But it happens. We become so insecure when we talk to others about God and, and especially in different setups. Because we, we can go to the people that maybe are just there. Like when we have a reach out and evangelism and evening. But when, when we sit maybe in a more sophisticated place or you're in Avani and, and now you want to share with these people that are wearing suits. It's like, no, we can't, we can't do that. They don't, they don't want to hear these things. But the question is, can we become besides ourselves for God? Can we become besides ourselves for Him? And He says, if we are in our right mind, it's for you. He was talking to who? I believe the believers. So if I'm in my right mind, it's for you. If you see me out there besides myself, it's for God. But in here... I'm in my right mind. It is for you. But then if I'm out there, I'm besides myself. I, yesterday I was sitting. This is maybe a small incident where I'm besides myself. So I, I'm reaching out to a Jehovah Witness. Now, we're going through a Jehovah Witness booklet. Now, the, the place that I sit at is normally Slowtown. And, and the guys already know me by name by Slowtown. Now, this, this Jehovah Witness book is on my table. So the waiter comes and I put my hand on it. Because I don't want them to see or think that I'm part of the Jehovah Witnesses. But I, I'm besides myself in that moment saying, I don't care because I know what I'm doing here. I know I heard the voice of the Lord and I know who I'm going for. I know who I'm representing when I sat here. Though I did cover it up, I turned the book around and I, 
I just sat like that. But we need to become besides ourselves. And that's responding to say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to do it. And I'm maybe not ready to take the biggest steps, but I want to take one step. It's, it's, it's not normal for me to take someone to lunch. It's not normal for me to take someone for a coffee. But I want to do that so that I can at the end share you. I want to I do that. So he says, if we're in our right mind, it's, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls me. The love of Christ compels me. For the love of Christ, for what he has done for us, he says, I, I'm uncontrollable. I, I'm not behaving myself. So you see, when we say, here I am, send me. So if I allow Pastor Chris to send me, I give him full control on how to handle me. I give him full access to how to send me. So here I am at your service, Pastor Chris. Give me the words. And if you want me to be harsh, I'm going to be harsh. If you want me to be loving, I'm going to be loving. But you are willing. I give you the permission to do through me what you want to do through me. You are in control of me. So the love of Christ compels us because we have concluded this. The, the Christ love compels us for this reason, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So the love of Christ needs to compel you so that you don't live for the love of self. See, if Christ's love compels you, you will no longer live for yourself. It says that Christ compels, Christ's love compels us. We concluded this, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. They might no longer live for their own comfortability, their own securities. But they might live for Him and for His sake. So Christ speaks to us. And Christ wants to speak to you right through this year, through His Word. And He wants to get you to meditate on it, to fall in love with it. You have your natural sight. Sleep well, eat well, keep your energy for His Word. But then there comes the supernatural part where you meditate on it. You're chewing it. And it goes into your heart and you're feeding your soul. And it, it starts controlling you. Then we need to understand the privilege. Guys, it's a privilege. I, I don't have the words. I don't have the educational level. I don't have the, the scientific ways to tell you what a privilege it is to represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I cannot make it known to you. I hope in this moment the Spirit can make it known. I hope He can in your heart, that the Holy Spirit can establish it in your heart. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it, is, privilege it is to represent Him. Whether you're living for a promise, whether you're living, whether you're a student, whether you're working, whether you're doing nothing, what a privilege it is that He, you are representing Him. I cannot make it known to you guys. I do not have the capacity to do that. But I hope that your heart is so open to say, Lord, I do not feel it now, but please come and do this in me. I want to know what it means to follow you. I, I, I want to know what it means to represent you. 
And I don't want to take it for granted. And then as I said, we need to respond. Sin Isaiah could have said no. Could have said no. All of us could have said no. Jesus never said, you must follow me. He said, come. I give you the opportunity. Here I am. Send me. But who will go for us? We need to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. And maybe we can just have the worship team back here. You guys can just prepare here behind me as I conclude. And I do, I do think that we should respond. And we're going to respond through the song. To saying, we say yes. We say yes. Are you ready to say yes? Are you ready to say yes, Lord? I want to represent you. I want to represent you. I, I, I want to. I want to. I want to do it. I want to represent you. And I want us to think for a moment. Imagine in heaven. Before Jesus came to earth, there was a voice, the Father crying out for all of heaven. Maybe he called an assembly and he said, guys, who will go for us? Who, who will go? We, we have a crisis on earth. We have a crisis on earth and who will go for us? And Jesus said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Father. Send me. Send me. Send me. I will go for us. I will go on behalf of us. And who did God represent? Who did Jesus represent? He's God Himself. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the moment He said, here I am, send me. He surrendered control of living for Himself. Because He said it Himself. He says, I don't do anything except what the Father commands me. So what Jesus has done, He has responded. And the reason we are sitting here is because one man, because of one man's obedience, because of one man's sacrifice, we have eternal life. And so God, Jesus responded and said, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'm beside myself. People mocked me. People laughed at me. People spat at me. People beat me. I don't even want to go into the details of all that he has gone through. He said, Lord, I'm beside myself. What man in his right mind allows that to happen to him? None of us. But he said, for the sake of others. That's the same call I put upon you this evening. If you would respond and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. People are, I don't know what you're going to face. I don't know what you can go through going to other people. But are you ready to say, Lord, I, I'm ready to be beside myself for you. And why I'm so strong about the message and, and what my heart cries out is that I don't want any of us, literally, guys, not any of us. This is my prayer for us as a congregation, that not any of us stand before the Lord and we, we stand with regret. Saying, Lord, I, I, I wish I responded. I, I really wish I responded. And that's why we did this great faith series. Because the moment you live in great faith cons constantly, you'll not live a life of regret. But great faith does require risk. It does require to get us out of comfort. You're maybe not used to reading your Bible for 10 minutes a day. That's out of your comfort. But read it for 10 minutes. 
pray it for 10 minutes. Go and reach one person. You do not want to stand and regret. Because they assure you of this. There's people that you are connected to that I'm not connected to. And no one is connected to them but you. And you're the way. But here's the call that the Father gives us all and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. So I just want us to rise. And before we close, I just want us to rise. Let's going to sing. And if this moves your heart to say, Lord, here I am, send me. I want to hear your voice. I want to know the privilege of going for you. And I want to respond and say, here I am. Besides myself, I'll go for you. And I want you to agree with the song that says, we say yes. And then I'll close for us in prayer. standing here. None of us present here, Lord, will one day stand before you in regret and say, oh, how I wish. How I wish I did that. Oh, how I wish I, I reached that person. So, Lord, I thank you, God, that you've given us opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that you send your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for responding. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. 
so that we can stand here this evening knowing, Lord, that you want to make your appeal through us. So, God, I thank you for your strength and your boldness upon our lives. God, I thank you, Lord, that we will hear your voice, God, in all areas of our lives, through the easy times, through the hard times, through sharing the gospel, through your promises. May we hold on to your promises, oh God. And God, may we, may, may we know and may we be secured about this, that you make your appeal through us, that we represent you. And God, we are privileged and we are thankful. And so, Lord, I pray for those hearts that said, here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm willing to be beside myself for you. I'm willing to become a bit different, Lord. And it's for you, Lord. It's not for the people. It's for you. So, Lord, may you bless us. Lord, may you keep us. As you says, we are chosen people. Chosen race. We are favored by you, O oh God. We are grateful, Lord. Lord, thank you for your love. And Lord, as you send one man, may we as individuals go, Lord, and respond in the same way Jesus did it. It's by going. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.